0: Subscribe to Video Palace on Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. All episodes of Season One of Video Palace are now available exclusively to Shutter members. Download the app or visit shutter.com and keep listening.
1: Come on, motherfucker! Yes, I can hold that piece. Right
2: no, there. no, it's I got it. I got it. I got it. Don't worry about
1: it. Is this-
2: Nobody's ever confused me for a handyman, but that does not stop me from trying. I just refused to hire someone to install a video doorbell, especially when the instructions said that it would only take about 30 minutes. Of course, I managed to make it last just over two hours and drilled about five extra holes in the wall next to our door. Hope that doesn't come out of our deposit. But it was worth it. Especially after what happened last week. I was conducting an interview away from the apartment when Tamara recorded something strange, outside of our front door.
1: Who is out there?
2: Hello? When that happened, I was having a strange experience of my own. Is there a connection? Or are we just freaking ourselves out? Either way, it doesn't hurt to have a little extra security in case someone is skulking around our place. I'm finding myself drawn further and further into this white tape mystery that feels just out of reach. It seems to start and maybe end in 1997. That wasn't really that long ago. I was in middle school, and it was the last time any of us would know what it was like to not live our lives on the internet. Still, I'm surprised at just how easy it is for something to drift into folklore. What are the white tapes? They look like they're meant to communicate something, but not with any of the tools you expect from conventional filmmaking. They're this weird combination of static, strange patterns, dark moving shapes, and an entrancing soundtrack. Why did people collect and hoard them? And big picture, how are they all connected to Video Palace, a video store in Vermont that's been closed for over 20 years?
1: It's not Wi-Fi. just
2: the router's not plugged in. Just
1: oh, there! Oh, yes, I win! It is working! <laughs> I can see outside our front door.
2: Thanks to the wonders of technology, now no matter where we are in the world, we can see and hear what's at our front door, as long as our spotty internet allows it.
1: Oh, uh, ooh, the video looks creepy. All, like, infrared and grainy and shit.
2: But the question is, do you feel more safe?
1: Well, it looks like a found footage movie constantly happening in front of our door, but I would, yes, I would say so. Uh, Hey, at least when the demons come to take us away, we'll have evidence now.
2: Yes, exactly. Good thinking. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Hey, speaking of evidence, segue, how's the investigation going? What have you got besides, like, you know, hearsay and rumors?
2: Well, I have the first white tape, obviously, and then I have the second one from the Mueller place, mm-hmm. and then I have the audio recording of, of me sleep talking that sounds a lot like the the voices on yeah. the tapes.
1: So super creepy, right? But not like totally inconclusive.
2: Well, and then we have uh, yeah, Bets Mueller. Who who told us that her her husband had some sort of fascination or whatever with the with the video palace? Right,
1: and she has a really extremely well behaved son, so we've got that too. <laughs> he's awesome.
2: Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just what I don't have is a connection between the the white tapes and the video palace, except for Thurman Mueller, but
1: and he's been missing for twenty years. Right.
2: Tamara was testing me to see if there was really enough of a story to follow. But it's all the loose ends that I find most interesting, like like the fact that people would obsessively seek out these white tapes at all. Tamara pointed out that we had another piece of physical evidence. Thurman Mueller's white tape came in a padded envelope with a return address. Tamara studied it.
1: Can I maybe help you?
2: The wheels in her mind obviously turned Yeah. Please.
1: Okay, cool. I can do some research, I'll do some digging, see what I can find.
2: I'm Mark Cambria, and this is the story of a strange videotape and a real mystery waiting to be solved. Welcome to Video Palace. My husband left 20 years ago. I never came back.
3: I'd heard the rumors about it—that if you watched it, it would do something to your 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 mind. That it would get in there and change you. Are you recording right now? Are you recording me? I do not I give you permission to, it to record me. He has no right.
2: Hello, Jacob. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? I decided Hi. to call hey. Jacob Manders back. Out of all the experts I talked to at the beginning, he was the only one who'd actually physically held a white tape, even though he said he hadn't watched it. Plus, when we talked before, I couldn't shake the feeling that he was holding something back. Thank you so much for talking to me again. I just wanted to give you an update. Sure, sure. So, um, I tracked down the owner of the first tape. It's hmm? a guy named Thurman Mueller. Oh,
3: boy, really? Do you know him? I mean, I, I, I know who he is. I know of him. I never actually met him in person. Uh, but I certainly have heard about him. Gosh, he disappeared over 20 years ago. But yeah, he was uh, quite well known in the world of uh, video collecting. He has one of the largest collection of, of anybody I've ever come across, and uh, I actually was trying to track him down.
2: Yeah, I've been looking at some public records and stuff, and it's all pretty basic. I haven't really been able to figure huh? anything out.
3: Really? Right. Do, do you know about the breaking and entering Excuse incident? Me? The what? The breaking and entering incident. No, I, what oh, you don't. I... Yeah, well, I did a little <laughs> digging and uh, found uh, out that he was uh, part of this um, group of folks that were uh, trying to break into this fellow member of the Video Palace's house. I believe his name was Javier or something. I don't remember his last name. Really? That was back in the 90s. He was trying to break in.
2: was he arrested?
3: No. No, the the police came and they questioned him and detained him for a bit. But then ultimately he was released without uh, any kind of charges brought against him.
2: Huh. So did you ever talk to his wife?
3: I did back, um, I think it was 2002, somewhere around there. I uh, approached her. <clears throat> she was, uh, well, I don't want to get too technical here, but she was nuts.
0: <laughs> really?
3: Yeah, but I knew that Thurman had this collection, and so I contacted his wife and to see if she would sell me, you know some, if not all, of his collection. And uh, she was giving me the runaround.. Oh, she, <laughs> I forgot about this. She actually wanted me to wire her money with no guarantee that I was gonna get anything for that. Just just send her money, and then if she felt like it, she might send me some tapes. And at that point, I was like, yeah, this is just, she was trying to con me, and I was like, eh, I don't trust this lady at all.
2: Actually, I had found Betz Mueller to be tentative and suspicious, but ultimately helpful. Her son Shane, now well, that was another story. In hindsight, her son's behavior was understandable, especially if he thought his mother was being taken advantage of. The more troubling thing was Mander saying Betts was not to be trusted. I'd spoken with her and she'd said the exact same thing about him. I've heard both sides of the story and I don't know who to believe. Thurman's movie collection was his most prized possession. Did Betts overvalue it? Was she hoping against hope that her husband might come back for it one day? Or did Manders really strike her as untrustworthy? And if so, were her instincts correct?
3: So, you met the wife? Yeah. And?
2: And Honestly, she seemed fine to me.
3: (laughs) Okay, if you say so. Yeah, I don't know.
2: When you don't know who to believe, all you can do is rely on what's right in front of your face. I told Manders I actually saw Thurman's fabled movie collection and came away with a special souvenir. Another white tape.
3: Really? Wow. So, how many do you have now?
2: Two.
3: Mark, I gotta tell you, that is, that is, impre- I am impressed. You know, those bad boys could actually be worth a little bit of money. If you were interested in selling, I could help you out with that, you know, for a commission.
2: Really? <laughs>
3: yeah. Not <laughs> too much. Ballpark Wait.
2: why, but I found it chilling that someone would actually pay for a white tape. It's not like for snuff or even illegal, but someone who'd pay for this particular brand of strangeness. Well, I don't know if that's someone I'd want to spend time with. And I was getting the idea that Jacob Manders was that kind of person. I thanked him for his help and ended the call. Just in time, because Tamar had found something.
1: Oh my god, yes!
2: What? Wait, wait,
1: hang on. Come here.
2: What is it?
1: That envelope had an address to a P.O. box in Staten Island. Oh, convenient. Yeah. Um, It was from 97, though, so I had to do some research on who had it back then.
2: She found that the P.O. box matched the business address for RJW Enterprises, which first secured a business license in 1996. Quick search revealed that it's still in operation today. With the storefront in Staten Island.
1: And I got the name of the guy. Let's see. RJW Enterprises, owned by a guy named Randy Wayne.
2: What does he do?
0: Uh, you basically, you set, you set up a meter, and it, it's different this now because he used to have to do it all. Is
2: Randy running. Wayne. I would have called him a piano tuner, but he takes some offense to that and corrects me. He's a piano technician. He's been doing this since the mid 80s when he gave up on his dream of being a heavy metal rock star. It's honestly hard to imagine him like that. A middle-aged, bald guy with a friendly smile, a Buddha gut, a loud Hawaiian shirt. He is the opposite of sinister.
0: Okay, now just listen carefully, okay? You listen. Just listen. You hear that? Close. Almost there. There. Got it? His shop
2: has a real lived-in vibe, which makes sense because he's been here for over 20 years. There's a loading dock in the back where people can bring in any size piano, from something called a spinet, which I assume must be the small ones, all the way up to concert grand pianos, which he tells me are the largest he's ever worked on. They sound big. He also was a card-carrying member of the Video Palace
0: back in the day. It's my first interview. Nobody's inter- interviewed me for about anything. <laughs> well,
2: thanks for thanks for agreeing to sit down with me. I'm not Appreciate that
0: you. interesting. <laughs> well,
2: um, if you wouldn't right. mind, just um, tell me a little bit about your passion for obscure movies. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm a nut. I'm a nut. Yeah, no, I love them. Uh, I and I I, I just uh, can't get enough of them. Um, so it's, it's a bit of an obsession. That's um, as I told you, what led me to the Video Palace. Yes. So tell me about the Video Palace. The I... Video Palace. <laughs> That's famous. It's very sad that it's gone. I mean, it's left a big hole in my, in my world. If you love obscure titles in videos, I mean, stuff that just, you know, no one's seen, that's the place. Stuff you can't find in New York. I live in New York. You should be able to find anything in New York. You can't even find this stuff in New York that you can find or that you could find. We, we used to take two, two hours to drive up there. Two hours, you take a day, because you take two hours to get up there. And then you get in there and you take the rest of the day, basically, on hanging there, you know. And, and they had these uh, videotapes stacked literally from the floor to the ceiling. Not like the normal places where you walk in. They've got, I don't know, documentary and drama or comedy. I mean, it was just everything was kind of thrown in together so, so tightly that all you saw was like the tops of the boxes. You could just see titles. Mm-hmm. And they, they had this, uh, one of those um, uh, sliding ladders. And you just move it to where you wanted to go, and you climb to the top, and you, you yell down to your friend, hey, look what I found, man. And you, you toss it down, to and it was, it was, it was a freaking party. Wow. It was great. It was just great. They had there. Uh movies 16 millimeter movies 8 millimeter movies that not much of that stuff because people scoop that stuff up but um yeah no, it's just just incredible did Thank you me. know a guy named
2: thurman mueller that used to go there
0: yeah yeah i knew thurman thurman's a guy who uh, you know he introduced me to the place you know i mean you know a, a real straight-laced church going kind of guy just uh, we ran into each other at this uh, video store in new york and uh kind of struck up a conversation over some videotape or other and um if i'm a connoisseur he's a he's a, a collector god i mean this guy It was a walking encyclopedia. Like like, um, comic book collectors, you know those guys? He was like that for video. And uh, yeah, we would sometimes meet. And the first time, of course, he took me up there. And after that, we'd meet now and then. And uh, we'd go up and, you know, look for some shit, man. Yeah. It was great.
2: Did he ever mention to you anything about um,
0: any white tapes at all? I see why you're here and you're right up there with like Bigfoot. I heard about them, I heard about them. I know what they're supposed to do. I, I, I've never seen one. I, it's, just, it's just like a freaking urban legend. I mean, you gotta remember Video Palace has like a million different types of tapes. Purple, green, yellow, blue, you know, chartreuse, white. <laughs> it doesn't mean there's anything going on, but uh, I know some people have made a big deal about it, yeah. Well, I, um, I
2: got this from Thurman's wife. I don't know if it was a good idea or not, but I brought the white tape I'd found in Mueller's house with me. figured it might spark a memory from Randy, maybe get him to give me some more information. If he had any.
0: From Bets? Yeah. That's weird. Is that real?
2: I didn't remind Randy that this was a tape he'd sent to Thurman over 20 years ago. wanted to see if he'd tell me that. And he didn't. Also, he might not remember sending Mueller this specific, exact one white tape in particular, but I know he knows something about the white tapes in general.
0: This can be over here. Just, just watch your step because I got crap everywhere. Just be careful. I only I got a VCR in here. It's a great deep. Excuse me, I got so much shit. I just, I can't get rid of anything. You know how it is.
3: Yeah.
2: Randy took me into the small back room of his shop. It's a lot of tools, scrap piano wire, and some half-built pianos with pieces missing. And the parts of a piano you never see piled up on workbenches. Eventually, he found an old portable TV-VCR combo and plugged it in. He turned off the lights in his workshop so we could see the dim TV. It was maybe only 10 inches wide or so. And then this happened.
0: What does that look like? It's like, uh... Like There's something... Like movement there, something. Right. It? So much freaking static, I can't see.
2: Randy was transfixed. Maybe that's how I looked when I saw white tape for the first time. He stopped looking at me... and stared at that little television.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you did you see He's like
2: a Randy seemed to lose balance. He stumbled back and he caught himself in one of the pianos. I put my recorder down and went over to help him. Whoa, whoa, are you okay? Oh my god. He looked like he was about to pass out, but his eyes were wide open and he was staring at me intensely, like he had something important to say. I tried to steady him so he wouldn't fall over. Hey, Randy, Randy. Oh, shit. Hey, Randy. I'm going to call him. I'm going to Randy. Oh. Randy, Randy. Look at him. Look at him. Can you hear me? At first, I thought Randy was having a seizure or something. He was just poking at the keys, but no. He was playing something specific. Something that I didn't just hear. I felt it.
1: What the hell am I listening
2: to? Tamara was still skeptical, but she's got to know that I wouldn't make something like this up. I played her the tape, and she seemed visibly distressed.
1: What's that sound? What does that sound so like?
2: Something went wrong with the recorder and then Randy started playing that tune on the no. piano. Like no, The other fast. sound, one at the
1: end that's like coughing?
2: Oh, that's me. I almost threw up. I don't know why. Don't, <laughs> don't laugh at me.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not laughing at you. It's just... This is the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Do you have to get that?
2: Oh, shit. No. It's a blocked collar. Just had to get a voicemail. Mm-mm.
1: So what the hell made you feel sick this time?
2: I painted a picture for her of Randy's piano shop, how watching the white tape seemed to change him, and that creepy-ass tune that he played that made me feel so strange. She wondered if that's what made me sick, but it was what happened next, something the recorder didn't pick up. Uh, so maybe I had low blood sugar, or not enough sleep, or I was just flat-out hallucinating, but but over the piano there was like a, like a dark patch where the air seemed to to change. You know when you close your eyes and you rub them hard and you see patterns? It was like that, but my eyes were open. After I told her my story, Tamara looked at me for a long moment. Then...
1: Mark, do you still want to do this? What? This... The investigating these tapes and like the whole Video Palace thing—it's—it has literally made you sick, twice. I need you to be well. I need you healthy. Um. Also, dude, you gotta turn off your phone while you're recording. That's a rookie mistake. Yeah. yeah. Sorry.
2: I mean, not sorry. Tamara's right this investigation is starting to take over my life I've been turning down gigs to work on it money's not an issue yet but here's the thing I'd rather be working on this than anything else and I'll be honest I don't know where this thing is going I'm totally out of my element here but but maybe that's not such a bad thing I find the experience of of following this story wherever it takes me exhilarating I wish Tamara could understand that. But for her to do so, I have to share everything with her. Even the stuff that's, well, scary. Like this. That call I got while she and I were talking, I left a voicemail message. Later that night I listened to it and I knew right away that Tamara needed to listen to it too. Pam, um,
1: you need to hear this. Well, I have like five pages left
2: Trust me. Just just listen to this, okay? I'm going to put it on speakerphone. Okay. Hold on. <clears throat> okay. Okay,
1: listen. What? what
2: just
1: just listen,
2: listen, 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 listen. Does that sound familiar to you? How is that my voicemail. Someone. What? Someone just left that on my voicemail.
1: It's, can you, that's freaking me out. Can you turn it off? Yeah.
2: After Tamara and I commiserated over how unsettling the call was, we put our investigative caps on and we try to get to the bottom of this. Randy played that tune in his shop. Then someone called and left it on my voicemail. Was someone trying to scare me? If so, there was only one likely suspect.
0: Hello, Mr. Randy.
2: Randy, it's Mark Cambria.
0: <sighs> wow. I didn't think I'd ever hear from you again.
2: Well, it was an interesting visit, that's for sure, but I'm calling about something else, actually. I told Randy about the missed call from the blocked number and the message with the strange tune. I even played it for him. I was waiting for him to take responsibility. Wow,
0: that's unusual.
2: You recognize that? That's the tune from your shop.
0: What do you mean? What? What tune?
2: The one you played for me.
0: What are you talking about, man?
2: After I showed you the white tape and you got, I don't know, confused, you've lost your balance and you started playing this exact same tune.
0: Honestly, I, uh, I don't remember that.
2: You don't? What... what do you remember?
0: Well, you know, we were doing the interview and uh, you got sick. Yeah, I thought it was food poisoning or something. Listen, I didn't watch any tapes or play you anything, okay? Whoever left you that message wasn't me, man.
2: Was Randy lying? Or did he really have no memory of what happened? I played back the call for Tamara, and she said that Randy's surprise sounded genuine. But if he didn't leave me the voicemail, then who did? And why? Before, when Tamar had mentioned evidence, all I really had was a videotape that made me talk in my sleep. But a second tape had made me sick. Twice. Plus, there was this mysterious voicemail and strange sounds outside our door. This is becoming more than just an investigation. <sighs> what the hell have I gotten myself into? video palace is a shutter original podcast please be kind
3: rewind
1: Episodes of Season 1 of Video Palace are now available exclusively to Shutter members. Download the app or visit Shudder.com and keep listening.
0: Love Video Palace? Share it with a friend on Apple Podcasts.